You're listening to the expository preaching ministry of Kootenai Community Church, located in Kootenai, Idaho. We pray that Christ is exalted and your spirit is blessed by the teaching of God's Word. For more information about Kootenai Church, please visit us online at kootenaichurch.org. If you have your Bibles and you'd like to join us, turn to the book of Micah, chapter 5. This is the passage that we were looking at on Sunday morning, Micah, chapter 5, verses 2 through 5. And if you weren't with us on Sunday morning, uh, don't worry, I will catch you up and you will feel like you didn't miss a thing. Actually, you did miss a lot because we looked at the whole book of Micah, but I will make it feel for you as if you did not miss a thing. Uh, Micah is a prophet that lived 700 years before the birth of Christ. He was a contemporary with Isaiah. Uh, many of the, the prophecies and the content of the message of Micah is very similar to the prophet Isaiah. Uh, both of them speak of a coming kingdom. Both of them speak of a coming king. Both of them predicted the birth of Jesus Christ. And uh, they lived and ministered together with each other. Uh, Micah, in chapter 5, in t- verses 2 through 5, gives a prediction that uh, the Messiah would be born in the city of Bethlehem. Bethlehem Ephrathah, which was the Bethlehem in the southern part of the nation of Judah. And in that Bethlehem would be born this Messiah that Micah then describes some of his offices and some of his ministry and his character and nature. Uh, all of that is given to us in this little prophecy, this little this little uh, passage here. Um, this passage, Micah chapter 5, was widely recognized at the time of Jesus' birth as a prophecy predicting the birthplace of the Messiah. Remember the Magi came to Herod the Great and asked him, where is this one who is to be born king of the Jews? And Herod didn't know. Uh, so Herod had to ask the scribes and the, the religious leaders of his age, uh, his day, and they uh, unanimously said it's going to be in Bethlehem because that's what the prophet said. And they quoted this passage, Micah chapter 5, in predicting where the Messiah was to be born. So now the only question is, uh, having seen that Micah predicts the birthplace of the Messiah, what does Micah say about the Messiah? And we looked at three things on Sunday. We saw, first of all, that Micah predicted that this one born in Bethlehem would be a sovereign. That is, he would be a ruler or a king. Verse 2 says, But as for you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one will go forth for me to be a ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Bethlehem was the city of David, where the house of David, King David, was, uh, where David was born. So that was considered the birthplace of the house of David. And this one, this ruler, would be the greater son of David, a descendant of King David, and he would be born in the same city that David was born in. And Micah says that this one will be a ruler, a king. He will be a sovereign. And the rest of this book describes, uh, parts of this book describe some of the, what that kingdom would look like. And it would be a kingdom of peace, of prosperity, of tremendous blessing where the curse will be lifted. And Micah describes uh, nations no longer going to war against nations. Uh, this, this peace would come as a result of, of this king taking the throne of his father David and ruling and reigning with a rod of iron as the Old Testament prophets predicted. Then Micah promised that this one born in Bethlehem would not just be a sovereign, but that he would also be a shepherd. Verse 3. Therefore he will give them up until the time when she who is in labor has born a child. Then the remainder of his brethren will return to the sons of Israel, and he will arise and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will remain because at that time he will be great to the ends of the earth. So this shepherd, uh, this savior, this sovereign would also be a shepherd. He would shepherd the flock of God, the sheep of God, and he would do so as if endued with power, divine power from on high. Because the text says he would do it in the name and in the strength of his God, and at that time he will be great even to the ends of the earth. 
And then the third thing that Micah tells us about this one born in Bethlehem, not only that he will be a sovereign king, he will be a shepherd, and this is where it brings us here tonight, that he will be a savior. In verse 5, verse 5, and there's only one phrase of verse 5, and it is this phrase, this one will be our peace. And you notice in your Bible there's a period at the end of that verse. This is one of those locations in Scripture where the verse divisions, which were added years after the original was written, centuries even, uh, is not necessarily all that helpful. Because really that phrase, this one will be our peace, describes this one born in Bethlehem, the sovereign, the shepherd, and the savior, whereas the rest of verse 5 describes something that was happening in, uh, in Micah's day and very close to Micah's day. You'll notice the rest of the phrase speaks of the Assyrian invading the land and trampling our citadels, and then we will rise up against him. The rest of verse 5 has to do with something happening in Micah's day. So verses 2 through 5a, that first little phrase of 5, look forward in time, 700 years to the birth of this sovereign shepherd savior. And the rest of verse 5 deals with something in Micah's day. So we're not going to deal with the rest of verse 5, but we are going to ask, what does that phrase, this one will be our peace? What does that mean? What did Micah mean by this one will be our peace? We know from Scripture, Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, that the one who was born, the son that will be given, his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Father of Eternity, and what? Prince of Peace. That describes his character. That describes his nature. That describes something he is coming to do. Now we ask, what type of peace was Micah describing? What type of peace is it that we need? What type of peace is it that the nation of Israel in Micah's day longed for? There are a couple of different things intended here. One of them is what we would call eschatological peace. And that's just a big word that means end times or last days peace. Um, in th- that must be in mind here, because as Micah is looking forward to the future, he's dealing also with things in his own day and at his own time. And what was going on in Micah's day and in Micah's time? Well, we saw last Sunday, as we go through the book of Micah, that we had religious uh, leaders that were wicked, they were corrupted, they were doing all that they did for money. Uh, justice could be bought with a bribe. The leaders of the nation could be purchased for a sum of money. They were corrupt and oppressed the people. And because of that, God promised through Micah that he was going to send a nation against them and they would be judged for their sin. And he says actually in chapter 5, verse 1, muster your troops, you daughters of troops. They would be surrounded by troops. And that's exactly what happened before they were taken to Babylon, which chapter 4 prophesied and predicted that they would go away to Babylon and from there they would be rescued. So in Micah's time, the nation was surrounded by enemies and also surrounded by this impending judgment that God promised on the people for their sin. What type of peace do you think the nation of Israel longed for and wanted? International peace, national peace, just peace with their neighbors. They didn't want to be at war. They wanted and longed and looked forward to this kingdom that Micah describes in chapter 4 when he says that we will beat our uh, swords into uh, pruning hooks and our plows, uh, weapons into plowshares. That type of peace where their nation no longer lifts up sword against nation. That's what the nation wanted. Well, who would bring that peace? Who would save them from their na- enemies, their national enemies, from the invaders and the troops? Who would do that? Micah says this one will be our peace. He will be our peace. And that is true. That is exactly what Jesus will do. Nationally speaking, for the nation of Israel, they will get peace in two ways. They will get peace, first of all, with God when Christ returns. The nation of Israel will turn to Him. They will be saved, not only from their enemies that seek to attack them and destroy them, but when the Lord returns, He will deliver them and make peace by putting down all of His enemies and all of their enemies. They needed not just national peace, but they needed an individual or personal peace with God. 
Because it wasn't just them as a nation that was at war against God, but it was each individual person in that nation that needed to repent and needed to have peace with God. The nation as a whole could not have peace with their God. When they were at war with God through their sin and through their wickedness as individuals. So they would need personal peace and national peace. But for us, what is it that we mean when we say that Jesus Christ is our peace? Because it's not just eschatological peace, end times peace that Micah has in view here. But looking forward, we can honestly say that in Jesus Christ, you and I have peace with God, don't we? Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says, therefore, having been justified, that is, having been declared righteous by God, having been justified, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now you say, how is it possible for us to not have peace with God? You know, it's not only possible, but it is actually the condition of everybody born into this world. We are not born into this world at peace with God. We are not born into this world with, with hearts that long to do His will and just love Him with all affection. We are born into this world dead in our trespasses and sins. The Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are at war with God, hostile toward God, and at war with Him in our minds through our wicked works. Now, you may have walked in here tonight and you're not in Christ. You've never been justified. You've never trusted Christ for salvation. Listen, you are at war with God. You may not know that you are at war, but you have to understand that God says you are at war with Him in your mind through wicked works. You're hostile toward God. That's the natural condition of fallen man. And this is evident in so many ways. This is evident when we sin. Our hostility toward God and our animosity toward God is evident in every act of sin. Every act of sin is an act of rebellion against the sovereign and gracious King. The one who gives us life. The one who's given us breath. The one who, who, who gives us even the joy of being here together in a warm building and all the blessings you have enjoyed this day. All of those have been given to us by a sovereign and gracious King. And to sin against Him is to declare war against His holiness and His justice and His goodness, and it is to spit in His face and to be at enmity with Him. So sinners who do not know Jesus Christ, they are at war with God, and they need to be made at peace with God. How do we get peace with God? It is in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. This one is our peace. This one, Micah could say, is our peace as a nation. He will bring peace, not through the United Nations, not through a government action, not through some peace accord in the Middle East, Peace will come when Jesus Christ returns and puts down all of his enemies. And those who are not in Jesus Christ do not have personal peace with him. And they do not enjoy the blessings of being in a shepherd and in a savior and having him as king. They don't enjoy those blessings because they're still at war with God. So the Bible declares that we are all sinners. We are guilty before God. And we each day with each sin store up for ourselves wrath for the judgment day of God. Because we are at war with him. So we need peace. What has God done to reconcile, that is, make sinners at peace with Him? What has God done to reconcile sinners to Himself? He sent this sovereign shepherd Savior into the world. He lived a perfect life. He died a perfect death. He suffered and died on a cross, paying the price for sinners, for all who will come to Him in repentance and faith. He atoned for their sins so that their sins could be forgiven. That is how God has made peace with sinners. So God doesn't make peace with sinners by simply ignoring their sin because every sin must be punished. It would be unjust for God to simply ignore sin. That wouldn't be righteous or good of a judge to do that. But God has made peace with sinners by punishing their sin on the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is what makes him our Savior. That is why we love him. That is why we obey him. That is why we praise him. That is why we worship him. That is why we celebrate the birth, the greatest miracle of all, the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because in him, God has reconciled sinners to himself. So now the only question is, are you in Christ or are you outside of Christ? Have you trusted Him 
Have you repented and turned from your sin and trusted in the one who died, was buried, and rose again on behalf of sinners so that you might be reconciled to God and have peace with him? Or are you still at war with God, hostile toward God, and an enemy of God in your mind through wicked works? How do you have peace with God? This one is our peace. That's what Micah said. This one is our peace. You must repent. You must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. And the Bible promises that when you do that, God will reconcile you to himself. He will forgive you sin, grant you eternal life, cause you to be born again, change your heart and your affections so that you want to love and serve and praise this one who is our sovereign, our shepherd, and our savior. Unto you this day in the city of David, the angel said, has been born for you a savior who is Christ the Lord. It is him we worship and it is him we praise because he is our peace with God. Let's bow our heads. Our gracious God, we do thank you for reconciling sinners to yourself through the birth, the death, and the resurrection of this sovereign shepherd and savior who is Christ our Lord. We gladly bow the knee to him. We thank you that you have atoned for the price of our sin, that you have laid them upon your son. And we thank you that you constantly, each and every day, call out your sheep to yourself. We pray that you would draw sinners to yourself and that you would open our eyes to, to see the, the beauty of this truth of the gospel to respond to it appropriately in obedient, repentant faith, and that you would be glorified by saving sinners, even now this night, around the birth of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for this reminder from Micah, and we give you our praise and our thanks in his precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the latest podcast from Kootenai Church. If you'd like to learn more about Kootenai Church or to donate to our church ministry, you can do so online by visiting KootenyChurch.org. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and pray you'll join us again next time. Once again, thank you for listening.